Welcome to the Touching Into Presence podcast. This podcast is for people who are interested in bodywork, empowerment, and somatic-based practices. I am Nikki Olson. I'm Andrew Rosenstock. We are certified rolfers. Collectively, we're trained in various movement and bodywork therapies with an emphasis on somatic awareness and client resilience. Through conversations, our goal is to share and explore mind-body paradigms to offer empowerment possibilities. Such a pleasure to be in conversation today with Ali Gonzalez. Ali was born and raised in Colombia until the age of nine. In the early 2000s, she sought out political asylum in Canada with her family. She has an undergraduate degree in kinesiology and human kinetics, and she furthered her studies at the Guild for Structural Integration. Ali graduated as a structural integration practitioner in 2018 and has been in practice since. She lives, trains, and holds her practice in Bogota, Colombia, serving her local community. Ali's continual education focuses on understanding movement through the experiential lens of renowned structural integration practitioners such as Mary Bond and Judith Ashton, the marriage of connective tissue through the speckles of Gil Headley, and the metaphysical explorations of herself in elite athletics. One of Ali's ultimate life goals is to attend the Olympic Games and to be an ambassador of the SI community as she gains recognition on track. This year, she's training hard in hopes of qualifying for the World Championships that will take place in Oregon, USA, in the month of July. Making this World Championship team is a stepping stone for Ali to achieve her ultimate goal of making the 2024 Olympic Games in Paris. In today's conversation, we spoke about the backstory of what brought Ali to track and field and then to SI looking at SI with psychology, being a professional athlete, and how SI has kept her healthy in this field, being a young practitioner in a field of many older practitioners, and so much more. So with that, let's begin our talk. Hello. Hi. I'm really excited to just to hear about your journey. Also loved it, like I said in the email, I'm not sure what the rolfing population or what, how that looks in, cause you're in Columbia, correct? Same. So, um, would love to hear about that. And, um, too, I'm, I'm trying to become a runner. I'm a very slow runner. Uh, <laughs> yes. Tips. But, um, no, but I think it's just, you're, you're just exciting in all different ways of, you know, where you're from and your passion with running, your interests and where you want to go with that. Mm -hmm. I think it's all very unique and um, excited that we could be part of this platform to maybe help, um, help spread the word a little bit and raise more money. You know, I gave a little, a little donation to your GoFundMe, but um, yeah, I think once we get this conversation live, I can't imagine why you wouldn't get more support. Thank you. Yeah, so, something really interesting with, with that is, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a fair amount of SI people who are doctors and who are, you know, psychiatrists and who are professional uh, and a lot work with athletes, but there's not, I don't know of many professional athletes who are SI people and you are. So that's kind of um kind of nice to actually be in the door as opposed to observing the door. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Allie, can you tell us a little bit about your background, how you um, <clears throat> learned about rolfing or stru- mm-hmm. rolfing structural integration and your career as a runner? Okay. I know there's a lot to unpack there, but let's go for it. Uh, So, who am I? Well, as I briefly mentioned before, I was born here in Colombia in South America. Um, At the age of 10, my family and I, we moved to Canada as a result of the political climate and death threats that my family received. And that really opened up a door of opportunities for me in the sense that um, I don't know if I would be an SI practitioner if I was if I didn't have the opportunity to migrate to a different country. And so as a result of moving to Canada, I got involved in so many different sports. I I continue playing tennis as I already had here, but it, the cost of tennis was extremely expensive in Canada. So my parents just decided to kind of put me in one of the cheapest sports, which was track, uh, which was basketball at the time. 
Um, I played basketball from grade six all the way to grade 11 and kind of like in the frustration of the sport itself, um, have, coming really close to making um, the Youth Olympics or making national teams um, and not really feeling fulfilled um, with the amount of effort I was putting in uh, in the team atmosphere, I kind of took a step back and decided to kind of dive into track and field as a result of my dad kind of suggesting, oh, maybe you should just try track and field or try a different sport. Maybe that will kind of freshen up your your perspective on basketball. And um, I really took that, um, that advice from my dad to heart because he used to be a um, heavy, light heavyweight, uh, box champion, boxing champion, um, way back in, uh, early two thousands, uh, uh, late nineties. And so he used to practice track and field. So I said, Oh, well, maybe that's a good idea. Maybe I can improve some of my basketball skills, kind of take my, my head out of the, of the team atmosphere and then just try something different. And it turned out that like prior to actually trying out for the track and field team in my high school, I had been watching the 2012 Olympics. Um, And uh, no, actually I was watching the 2008 Olympics and I saw out of the blue, these runners going over these hurdles and it was a hundred meter hurdle. So it was like super exciting. So I knew right away when I, I tried out for my high school track and field team that I wanted to do hurdles. And so I, I tried out, um, I was quite good um, being kind of novice and I made the team. So I started running hurdles and then they put me in like some longer distances, like uh, the 200 and the 400. And, and it turned out that I was really good at the 400. So they, since there's an event that's the 400 meter hurdles, I started off running 400 meter hurdles uh, for my school and I had really good success and two, three months of training in comparison to other club kids who were running for their high school, but they were, they had already been like four or five years in the sport. So um, feeling that I was accomplished and successful right from the beginning was kind of like the doorway into track and field. But I think the reason I decided to stay was because I really liked the, the challenge that it brought. It was a different type of challenge. It's so you can be a winner, you could be a a quote unquote loser, but you're still getting um, a learning opportunity out of every race. So I think that's still my motivation for today. Um, And that's how I got into track and field. But really what really pulled me into SI was the fact that when uh, I started getting more serious into track and field, I started getting some really serious injuries. Um, and I would go to different practitioners and like chiropractors, massage therapists. Um, I tried Chinese traditional medicine, so many different modalities, um, to kind of help the the physical body be, um, ready or less prone to injury, but the injuries were just so debilitating that, um, in several instances, I remember, being kind of like in a pool of depression and even considering moving away from sport. And just as I I was getting ready to move away from track and field, SI came into my life um, when one of my um, coaches, my weightlifting coach, he suggested that I look into structural integration, that it was this modality where they, they put everything back into place and it would help athletes with their injuries and and improve movement and just when he said improve injuries I was like I am all in so literally within um a year after because I spent a whole year researching SI before I became convinced because it's not like modality is like chiropractic or massage that people already know because they're broad they're uh, mainstream um, so it really took me about five, six months to really make the decision to go and get my first 10 series. Um, and Ellie, can, can you share what were some of those, um, possible highlights 
in, I mean, a year research, considering that you're, in, you know, dealing with your pain, possibly mm-hmm. quitting. I, it's, I applaud you taking time and be like, okay, what is, what is this modality <laughs> that not, not a lot of people know about and taking your time to research. So I think that's pretty fascinating. So what, what were the key things that were like, okay, I'm going to give this a go. So some of those highlights, um, it, from the get-go when I did my research, it seemed like it was really mysterious. <laughs> um, and so that's the thing that really kept me like researching for like six months because um, let's say I came across like five or six like really good articles. I can't recall what the articles were, but came across some really good articles. Some of them were scholarly. Uh, and some of them were just regular uh, newspaper articles uh, on the web. Um, but I really liked the fact that they touched on, I really felt in myself that I needed something holistically because every time I would go to other types of practitioners, they would just treat the area that where I was feeling injured. But I knew within myself that I needed something that would take a whole body approach. So aside from being kind of mysterious, like this thing will transform your body. It was like, we are going to touch the whole person. We're going to touch the whole being. And at, at, at the time, like I didn't really have this, this really deep concept of like self or body awareness, but the, the fact that they also mentioned opening up um, the awareness of the body to improve movement, um, or open up the awareness of the body to improve your relationships with other people was a really big um, factor that pulled me in. And curiously, after doing the six months of, of research, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go. Like, I have nothing to lose in the worst case scenario. And I spent this much money and it didn't work because I already spent a whole bunch of money in other modalities. So I ended up like looking up in the city where I was living at the time um, in Canada which is London, Ontario. And there was only one practitioner. There was like two practitioners, but I emailed them both. Um, I didn't hear back from any of them for a while. And then two, three weeks later, after I had emailed one of the two, I received an email saying that they were ready to take me on. I was like, oh my God. I was like jumping off the walls because I I knew this was a big deal for me to um, try something completely different um, that was out of the books in terms of uh, rehabbing my body. So um, to my surprise, this practitioner who's still out of, based out of London, Ontario, he's been working out of London for over 25 years. And he actually started off as a massage therapist, but then got pulled into the work um, two, three years after he had come up as a massage therapist. Um, he really touched me from a place of love and touched me from a place of empathy. And this was really different from anything else I had received before, because I think that's um, before you can just help somebody recover from injury, you have to kind of uh, put yourself in a position of understanding of where they're coming from, how they're struggling with pain or, or anything that's affecting the, the whole body. And, um, and I would say probably after the fifth or sixth session, um, my body started to open up in, in such a way that I was I was like a really loud person. Like structural integration is the, the most amazing thing ever. Like I would tell everybody, people would look at me like I was crazy, but I knew within myself that um, I was experiencing transformation, not only at the physical level, not only were my injuries kind of going away, because I know it takes, it takes time. Um, but I just, I just felt like I was in a new body, even, even though I had not even finished the series. So that's when I took the determination that I wanted to study structural integration. And I had one year left of studying my kinesiology degree at university. So I knew that was like the doorway into structural integration, especially because when I was in university, I really enjoyed classes on physiology. I enjoyed classes on in psychology. I loved the anatomy courses. I took as many as I could. And um, 
and I just knew right away that, that that's the thing I wanted to do because I was definitely in a search of like, what's next after my undergrad and SIK at a, such a perfect time that not only did it heal me or help me heal, but it really gave me an inspiration. And that's the thing that um, I wanted to give people once I, once I finished my training, uh, a sense of purpose or a sense of inspiration um, and also hope because I think this work gives people hope. Um, so that's how I got into it. Can you speak a little bit more if it's if you're comfortable with that to sharing a little bit more of the transformational process? Because as you were speaking, I had a sense that what might you what you might have discovered in your in your series was more than just understanding structural imbalances or <laughs> you know pain resolution per se. Yeah. So I think a lot of people come into this work hoping um, that their aches and pains will go away. And a lot of times that happens. But um, one thing that it's not until you go through the experience that and how aware of what's going on that you realize that there's more to the work than just the physical changes of posture or, or maybe even a sense of like, well-being uh for me it was it was like right away uh within a few sessions I started feeling more comfortable not only in my body but I think the work the somatic work really helped me mature as a person um I think that prior to going into getting my first 10 series there is a sense of myself of wanting to escape my body but it was not just a, a physical sense of escaping but it was like feeling really uncomfortable with perhaps like the spirit or like the the purpose of why I was why I'm here and um I think the work really helped me find kind of bring together or balance out that sense of wanting to escape this body and also the sense of of finding home finding home in, in, in my body. Cause I, I really did feel spaced out for so many years. I don't know if it was a form of protection or a form of just escapism, but I always felt like I was somehow elevated um, and really had a hard time of really had a hard time um, being present. And I think that's the biggest thing that the, the work gave me aside from helping me recover from injuries. It allowed me to be, here now um, and present in my body. And in that sense, I think that was the biggest um, maturity that I acquired from, from the work. And that was really uh, mind blowing because if you have the sense of escapism or wanting to go, um, it's hard to, to really pay attention to, to your surroundings because you're so in your head or so out there. Ali, if I can ask, and if this is too personal, you not only do you not have to share it, but I will, I'll cut this beginning part out. But uh, just sort of curious, as you're saying that, like, were you, do you think you were aware of the escape, escapism at the time? Or is it that as you became more, more aware through the SI that retrospectively you look back and you're like, oh, yeah, I was, you know, escaping or wanting to escape? I think that I was aware and I think that's why intuitively it felt right for me to go and get a 10 series because I needed something to bring me back into my body. And, and even though I didn't know what structural integration was all about until I got my first 10 series, I had a sense that perhaps this was the thing that could help me come back. Um, yeah. Cool. And would, I mean, Again, I feel like this might be personal, so um, but it's a question that I think is pretty relevant to what's going on right now is with Ukraine, like at a young age, you had to escape your homeland and mm-hmm. what your your birthplace. And you know, not from I mean, from what you shared in the beginning, from death threats. I mean, that that I mean, that would definitely, I think, would propel a somatic journey of like escapism it's out of survival mm-hmm. do you 
does you feel like any of that has um, influenced possibly the escapism that you are experiencing or aware of in your body? I think possibly. I think that um, with all the life changes from like the age of like even five, I, I remember I did. I'm, I'm currently in the process of trying to remember my life from the age of five to maybe one year old. Um, but I feel like there's just, I don't know if it was a combination of just traumatic events or, or things that just kind of happened in my life that built up the, the escapism. Um, so at the age of 10, like leaving Columbia was, it almost opened up the door um, for a new start. Um, but I think with the new start, there was also baggage that I was carrying perhaps from, from years before. Um, so I think in combination with, um, this new start, this new baggage injuries and not being able to like fully release these things, because perhaps parents, they, they, they say, oh, well, we're moving to a different country. Uh, you're going to go to a new school. You're going to interact with new kids. You're going to learn a new language. This is a lot for, for kids, even, even as, as it is for adults. But I also think that um, perhaps culturally, um, some parents don't believe that kids need, need psychologists or kids need to find a way of... Um, processing some of their emotions or processing these changes. And I never had that. Um, so um, now in my later later years now that I can somehow afford to get um, some other therapists aside from getting SI work myself and giving SI work, I, I work with other therapists that help process um, traumas or help process um, life changes. And I think that's also really important as kids. And so I don't, I don't recall having any of that. And so having all of these things kind of pile up, I think I was just storing, 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 storing in my body and didn't have the opportunity to release. And I think that's also one of the major reasons why I had a lot of nagging injuries that followed me for six, seven years. And I, I thought that I would come back out of one and then I would fall back into another one. So um, it was just kind of like a vicious, vicious cycle. And when I was able to break that, um, it was through SI work. I think that was the beginning of breaking that vicious cycle of just um, a lot of accumulated uh, things. Yeah, I, I really, um, wording's never my strong suit. So it's a good thing I co-host. Uh, I, I, was, I really enjoy, but it's not that I enjoy because it's a, um, you know, it's difficult stuff you're talking about, but hearing it and hearing where you are, where you've come from actually fills me with such uh, happiness to see and to hear like the, uh, the, the progress, the, the space we are now. And, you know, the mentioning of, uh, of having a therapist and, you know, and also like, this is something that in my training we sort of talked about, but, you know, it's when I started going to therapy, my SI work became so much better, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. yeah. And it's like, and I've actually, yeah, I, I feel that there's this really, you know, a lot of SI people, we think we can do everything and we kind of forget scope of practice, but like, ah, you know, whatever. I, I understand that. But having like that, that partnership of, of, you know, the body work and the SI work or the somatic worker and the therapist, I find to be such a rich area. And then, you know, when you can find, people to to work with and refer with uh it's uh it's pretty it's pretty awesome and so I'm, I'm happy to hear that that's also it's definitely um i think we can pull uh from different places uh, or help people um heal and and be pain-free and um come back into their bodies or be um have lightness in their mind through our work, but I think there's also benefit in in, in complementing it with other things, um, finding a balance. And I think that's that's what um, that's what I have been discovering later on um, as I've become a practitioner and um, also as as a as a person who went through the work. Uh, one of the biggest things for me um, also has been through sport. You also need psychologists. 
Um, I, I've had a couple of sports psychologists and I, I found that with the complement of SI, it has really helped propel my, my sporting career in the sense that you're not just dealing with the physical body, but you're, you're balancing out your thoughts. And I think that like, we, we can't disconnect the, 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 the mind from, from the body. So I think that's been such a rich balance for, for me. Um, even though I'm a big advocator of structural integration and I, I also believe that there's modalities that work, but for me, this one's the best. <laughs> so, uh, like going a bit back to the story, uh, you, um, you went through your 10 series and it was pretty transformative. What is it like, where is, when and where and how do you become, well, you, but how, well, you know, when, when do you decide to, when, I'm very curious, when do you decide to go to which school do you decide to go to, how that sort of process all unwinds? Okay, so as I briefly mentioned, I, I had one year left of uh, university. I was doing my, my undergrad degree in kinesiology, and I was trying to determine if I was going to become a physio or if I was going to become a chiropractor. And SI just came into my life a year prior to graduation. And I knew right away once I finished my 10 series that that's what I wanted to do. So I actually got, um, I got kind of mentored by my, my home offer um, to where to go to school because he had already been so many years in practice. Um, I really, I really appreciated all his, his insights. And so he um, told me to look into Creston College, which was where uh, David Davis was was working out of Boulder, if I'm not wrong. Um, and so I looked into Crestone and I saw that their website was up. Things seemed like they were functioning, but then I got in, on, in contact with David Davis and he was very honest and said that they were having some administrative issues so that they were like kind of permanently, temporarily closing the, the school down so they couldn't close me in. Um, my home rolfer really suggested that I would go and train with David Davis. So I was bummed that I couldn't um, have this opportunity to train with him. Um, and his next best, best option was to go to the Guild. He said, go to the Guild. I went to the Guild. When I went to the Guild, David Davis is there. So um, I only suggested Cresto because he's the one who, who started that school. Um, but since he's not there, I do recommend that you go to the Guild because they... They um, they teach the work from the most organic place, uh, from the very grassroots beginning. So I got in contact with the guild in Salt Lake City, um, and it seemed it seemed like the, it seemed like the times of study, um, the application, and everything was going to work for me um, because I also looked into KMI, I looked into um, I looked into anatomy trains, but the, the timing of their of their classes didn't didn't quite work for me in terms of like my schedule and my money. And so I ended up uh, putting in my application for the guild and it it was it was probably I don't know what schooling would have been like for me if I went to uh, anatomy trains, but the schooling that I got with the guild was amazing. And if I could, I would do it all over again. <laughs> well, you can't, you can, a lot of people do the trainings two or three times. So you're always welcome to do it over again. <laughs> I'm actually thinking about doing advanced training. Um, I'm, I'm kind of just waiting uh, for the guild or maybe even the Rolf Institute to open up um, their advanced training. I haven't really looked into it into detail, but yeah. Uh, In the last few years, there's been more shifts towards, which is really nice to, to people cross SI training. So I've met a few people who were, you know, guild undergrad basic, right. And then do their mm -hmm. advanced either in Europe or the U S or, or I think Brazil is tougher right now, but Europe and U S for the Institute and similar for um, like the, the European guild has been having people come who are non-guilders to do training. And it's really, I think for our side, it's really lovely to see that, that aspect um, 
of, of again coming back together in some way instead of being like we are this you cannot join this you know this is our club you go over there and so it is it's nice i think there's you know, there's pros and cons in, with everything but i think there's a nice benefit of getting that getting to see a little bit more on the other side so something to think about i think that was i think that was really ida ross vision to to have different practitioners come together and spread the work uh not really create boundaries or division of how far or how how deep we can go into this work so um it's also really for me it's also really exciting that that um they're creating so many trainings in so many different places and they're allowing practitioners from different schools to to join, um, which I think education shouldn't have any limits. I think uh, you can learn from anybody, anything. So um, uh, for myself, I'm, I'm looking forward to perhaps next year diving deep into um, perhaps some advanced training and taking more courses if financially I can, I can do it because uh, being here in Colombia, it's not, um, the work doesn't really, allow for um doesn't allow me to to do much more than uh sustain myself um at the basic level um so being here um really allows me to work from a place of love and not really work from a place of just monetary gain although that's really important um, um but i i really one of the biggest reasons why i wanted to come back to columbia is because uh, after being in Canada for so many years, I wanted to reconnect with my culture. And another reason why I came back is because my coach, uh, who I've been working with for the past five, six years, he's here. And also, it's really important for me to give back to my community, especially because there's there's only two of us here, um, myself and and another colleague who, who trained with the Rolf Institute, and he's out in Medellin which is, it's like about an hour, 30 minute plane ride. But um, for this, for the two of us to just be here and, and offer the work and, and kind of start from, from zero because there's, there's no, there's no awareness or there's no knowledge of the work here unless you work with certain people and they spread the work for you, word for you. There's no, there's no real knowledge of, of what SI is here. Um, so it's been it's been really gratifying in such a way that it's humbling to start from zero, um, but it's also hard work to bring awareness into a community where there's like virtually no no knowledge of, of structural integration. So with that being said, I'm, I'm, I I want to touch in on that a little bit because maybe it's just my own. Um, facade or ideas of South America but with you having experience of being in Canada, like born raised in South America having experience in Canada your sounds like you spent some time in the states with the rolfing training mm-hmm. I did my my final phase in Brazil so I like have that comparison of just like people you know south of the equator a little bit have a little bit more they move in their body a bit better. <laughs> They're not like all robot. And um, I, I mean, is that my own just kind of biased point of view? Or do you get to kind of experience people moving in a in a more of a um, fluid way, I guess? Maybe it's not necessarily always efficient, but just providing, I mean, when I work a lot of times, and again, this is more of a gender thing, but like teaching contralateral movement to some men and like having them explore their pelvis, move in space and not in this kind of sagittal plane. It's you're having to deal with some <laughs> cultural brought up stories of like men, men don't move their hips. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, you, you can <laughs> guess then you won't have so much back pain. For sure. For sure. I definitely think that people here are more in their bodies. Um, I don't know where that comes from, but it could be, um, it could be, I don't know the way people are used to moving because men here do move from their pelvis or 
the dance culture, right? I mean, the dance culture, um, and just in general, we're just very folkloric. Um, people are just really expressive, not only with their faces or with their speech, but they're also really expressive with their bodies. And I think that's that's also a way uh, the embodiment happens. Um, so that said, doesn't take away the fact that people do have um, uh, problems in their body or they have movement patterns that are not the most adequate um but perhaps people resort to other things in order to keep their bodies healthy and so having this there's perspective of structural integration come from north america they're probably like oh no we have our indigenous ways or we have our afro-columbian ways or we have um this pluriethnic background of people who can who can offer so many different things and so maybe that's why um to some degree, the, the when you mentioned when when you are the um, in my case, I mentioned SI, maybe they're not they're not as surprised until they try it. Um, once they try, they're like, "Oh wow! Like this 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 modality is way different from anything that I've tried." Um, but I, I think the biggest thing is is trying to um, from the very get go convince people that there's that this work is completely different from anything that they've tried. Um, and in comparison to, to Brazil, I think culturally um, we are different in the sense that we speak different languages, but um, we are very similar in terms of uh, customs and the way we greet each other and the way people embody their, themselves. But I, I don't know, maybe the person that was able to bring uh, SI to Brazil um, really had the the help of other people to really upbring the work and and bring it to the level and the strength that it is now. Uh, we haven't had that here in Colombia, but I I myself I'm I'm hoping that in in you, near future I can really I don't know maybe start a school here or perhaps um, bring more trainings here and and just bring more awareness to the work and maybe I could kind of wake up something in in the Latin American community because Colombia is also a big referent for, for other South American countries. We are looked towards for different things and um, perhaps starting a school here can really um, spike, spike the, the, the awareness or spike the, 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 the openness of, of what this work can offer. Well, we kind of already touched on it earlier in the conversations, but Again, what I find so beautiful with the work is that the transformational process, regardless of where we're born or the various stories that we're, we're born into or later become, our bodies, our bodies are not absent in our experiences. Mm-hmm. And so there, as long as talk therapy is great, but then there is something that needs to kind of happen within our bodies to really, to embrace the stories, whether they're good stories, bad stories, neutral stories, Mm -hmm. but that there is, there is more to our experiences than just cognitively what we're viewing or hearing or interpreting that our bodies have a part of that. And I think that's, what's beautiful about Rolfing and structural integration is that it, brings the whole the wholeness the whole package into into the work and we're all evokes a different sense of evokes a different sense of being i think that's one of the biggest things about the work um and when you can recognize difference and maybe not necessarily put a label to it in terms of bad or good i think that's where a lot of the transformation happens couldn't agree more And we're all victims to modern society. I mean, we're all like kind of collapsing into our, our devices or our chairs or whatnot. And this works really great to shake it up. Yeah. So as as I was briefly mentioning, I, I'm not only here, um, reconnecting with with Columbia once again, I've been living here for the past five years. So once I finished my training, I, I moved 
I moved here and kind of started from, from zero with one client that exponentially helped me grow my practice. But I'm also here um, training um, in hopes of, um, I don't know, being my, my best version um, athletically and just being my best version um, in this work while I'm here. Um, the oh, Colombian. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more of what, so you as an athlete. So we've got a great story of you as your journey as becoming an SI practitioner, but pretty awesome. I can't think of anybody that I know that is striving to the level that you are with your, mm-hmm. with your career as an athlete. And, and is, is it with hurdles? Is that, that your, your, no, I have actually changed events. Um, okay. What, when did so, you change events exactly? I changed events, uh, amidst the beginning of the pandemic, uh, okay. especially because I was kind of stuck. I was, I hit a bit of a plateau with the hurdles and I recognized that I had more of a, of a, more talent in, in, in the 800 meters. Um, so I've been doing that event for the past two years and it's been quite the, the success in a very short period of time. And so with the GoFundMe campaign, which we'll link here, that this is for you to run, like tell us a little bit about um, <laughs> what people are GoFunding. So I'll, I'll answer Nikki first. So I... Yeah, definitely the structural integration really helped me rekindle my love for athletics when I was getting ready to to quit. Um, and so as I rekindled this love for, for track and field through SI work, I realized that structural integration was kind of the key for me to stay healthy. Like, of course, I'm not saying that physiotherapists and chiropractors don't have the place, but for me, I was able to come to the conclusion that SI is the thing that keeps me healthy, is the thing that keeps me uh, embodied, and it's the thing that gives me the the most awareness or the most for my buck in the sense that, like, not only am I staying injury-free, but I can really bring a sense of integration, a sense of connection, and um, that's why I believe, that's why from the very beginning, I believe so much in this work that I, I wanted to, to do it. Um, and to this day, I'm, I'm competing athletically. I've been on several Columbia national teams. Um, and um, yeah, other, other athletes can have physios, can have other things. But for me, structural integration is the thing that has kept me healthy for the past six, seven years. I haven't had one single injury in six, seven years, which people are always like, oh, we can't believe that. You know, I just had an injury last year. And, and statistically, they talk about athletes having an injury at least once a year. And, that, and for me to say that I've been injury-free for six years is is quite out of the books. Um, and I definitely attribute this to, to the work, but also doing my own inner exploration of of movement through through role playing or or through just discovering different ways of moving in the most efficient way. Um, so that, that said, I Ali, if you can hear us, we lost you a bit. I oh, Ash is back. Uh, there. All right, welcome You're back. back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Something happened. Sometimes yeah. it's not too stable here. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so we 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 lost you somewhere in there. Do you want to uh, try to imagine where you were? About, yeah, talking a little bit about your training and the question that I was prompted with what we were last talking about was, you know, especially looking at some of the people you've studied with. How do you credit? Because you were talking about how you've been training so intensely for six years, been relatively pain-free, injury-free. I'm curious, um, and because I'm kind of holding, I live in Boulder, it's like triathlete mecca here, and, you know, I follow Mm -hmm. a lot of them, and, you know, 
while I do think, I mean, clearly they're, they're very successful. There's, they're, they're very much, and I have a personal training background. So I, I understand how you build a program and the kind of the importance of consistency and how it, it, the rigidity is good because it's building strength. But I also hold this question of when you train and you train with a program and in the, in, and if you're not aware or have invitation for more somatic movement and letting your body fall through. So during the pandemic, I did a whole year training of just playing with somatic movement. It's kind of always been a little bit of passion of mine, but I trained with um, a woman who also comes from a pretty, you know, well, I, I don't, wouldn't say she's rigid necessarily, but from kind of a very structured uh, personal training background. And we've been playing with these ideas of while building programs are great, there's also a place for somatic inquiry and really abandoning what the program says and kind of honing into what the body says and exploring. Is that any part of your training? Yeah, I think that, <laughs> that sp sparks a lot of profound things in me, especially because I think prior to actually going through my first 10 series, I was a very rigid person, not only in my body, but also in my thought process. Um, and I think the more I have gotten work, the more I have understood this work, I think there's a place for order, but there's also a place for letting go. Uh, and I think for me, it's been a process of letting go because I think the the order, I think has kind of always been there in, 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 in my thought process and somehow in my body. Um, but I think for me personally, the, the most I have gotten out of this work is just releasing and letting go and also um, allowing your body to be the teacher. So sometimes you don't need, um, for example, your, your training program might say, you need to do 10 repetitions of this exercise. And sometimes the body will tell you, you don't need to do 10, you need to do six. Um, and that's part of releasing this rigid uh, sense that this is the only way you can accomplish, um, let's say your goal, right? Um, so yes, in my current training, I have, specific times that I have to meet or I have specific movements that I have to do but sometimes my body tells me otherwise first sometimes my coach will tell me do this movement in this way and I will tell him my body will not like I have this sense of integration I have the sense of, of awareness that my body is telling me that that's not the right way of doing it and that, that I think that's part of releasing these conceptions or these notions that there's in order for you to reach certain um goals or certain ways of doing things you have to do it in a very specific way and I think that that's that's one of the biggest teachers about structural duration is that so many bodies move in so many different ways there's definitely some sort of a structure behind movement but I think you can accomplish movement in a fluid and um somehow magical I, I want to say magical way um taking into consideration each structure um I can't expect you to run the way I run, especially if you have a different body build or if you have um, just a different composition. So um, I think for me over the years, I've kind of, I've kind of took myself out of this rigidity and I have gone more into subtleness, more into allowing the body to tell me what it is that it wants wants me to do. And I think it's yield really good results in terms of um, um, also keeping me injury free, allowing me to best run my best times, allowing me to tell, allowing my body to tell me when it's time to rest uh, or even allowing me to, to know when to go. Beautifully said. Yeah, I think that's, um... Well, I think we all could use that in our in our lives and in whatever doses that's necessary. I think mm -hmm. it's um, love to see a little bit more of that in this in the traditional sports. 
Yeah. Because and I, I think feel that, like that's part of that's also part of my calling into being um being an athlete but also being an ambassador of the structural integration community is that from my scope or from my lens of of an athlete just uh reforming or re- or some some like presenting a different way of of doing sport uh not only from a place of like being glorious but also being from a place of, of enjoyment a place where you can be you can you can be at your top level but without um creating damage or hinder, hindering your body because i think like i said your body is your best is your is your best teacher and i think over these last six years that i've that i've been kind of exploring my body since i got structurally integrated um it's, it's it's a completely different person in, in my thought process but also in the way i move um, um i don't know that i that i that i could do this without this work or i don't know that i would be in the place that i am if it wasn't for si but it's not only from the somatic component but it's everything that it has brought in like the different um it's opened up like a container of so many different things that i can pull and that can benefit um not only my my athletic life but my entire life in the sense of of, of wellness um no because after after an athlete is done doing you know when they're in their retirement you know they still you you hopefully they can by inviting more i think more somatic movement or permission to to listen and not be held into a program then you have i i'm not an athlete but i have observed and worked with quite a few um you want a home you want a comfortable home to be in in your body after retirement and not be so banged up by by the i think basically i guess i feel like there's this work gives an invitation to the drive can offer there's some softness in the drive of the order and it doesn't need to be you know this hard like meet this goal do this performance and um because while that does get results you're also you know the people are in these overuse injury patterns or they've just like trash their body in some way or another where it's unfortunate that then their retirement is dealing with all these aches and pains and you know discomfort and what if, if that doesn't need to be and you can still have excellence and performance um just offering a little bit more and then i think that's what's really cool that what you will have a beautiful platform to to promote as you're excelling and going to win the Olympics when you get there. <laughs> I'm, I'm really looking forward. I don't know how, I think I'm going to, I'm going to keep going until I feel like it's time to, to move on. Cause I, I do dream about having a, like a full-time practice or a, or I dream about having time to do other things uh, other than just athletics, but this is where my focus is at right now. And that's why I only do the work part-time, but um, I'm really looking forward to when the time comes to see where my body's at uh, in relationship to to this work, uh, because I do really think that um, I could maybe go till I'm I'm on average, let's say athletes go till they're 35 or something. Maybe I can go till 40 because this work allows me to do so. Um, and then post post retirement, it's it's seeing where my body's at. Like it doesn't have like much, like you said, it doesn't have to be trashed or it doesn't have to be like dealing with all these old injuries that like force you to retire rather than you choosing the time to retire. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that transition happens when it happens. And um, I'm, I'm really an advocate of like really telling people like, look, like if you, or for example, if you're an athlete now and you get the work, like, this is this is going to help you keep you healthy. It's going to help you prolong your your athletic career. Um, I can't say that it's going to be the same way that I have been managed 
to do it, like in the sense of not not having an injury for six years, but um, it will definitely keep you um, out of the out of the dumps of like being injured. Um, but like I said, I'm I'm really looking forward to to exploring athletics or a, a sport. Uh, kind of exploring sport as long as I can and seeing how my body transitions into retirement once that choice is made um, because I do believe that I'm going to be in a good place. I'm kind of sensing you might be the Tom Brady of track and field. <laughs> Never <laughs> <Who knows>? retiring. <laughs> Who knows? Like it could be. I, and I also have dreams of perhaps becoming a, a master athlete. Like, I don't, I can't say that I have the desire to ever run a marathon, but I do have the, the desire to, to perhaps become, become a, a like master track athlete. Maybe I'll one day hold the world record for, for a master distance. Um, but as of right now, my, my hope is to just be able to make it to like the next Olympics, which will be uh, in three years from now, in 2000 and 20 oh two years from now 2024 in Paris so I have two years to prepare um by then I'll be I'll be 29 I'll be 28 29 yeah I'll be 29 years old and um that's also a good place in terms of um peaking for female athletes in, in track and field so I'm just kind of looking forward to that so the GoFundMe yeah, with- page is to help support it's the the finances to to continue training is can you tell us a little bit more about the GoFundMe GoFundMe page? Oh, I, so my hopes my hopes for this year is to be able to make the world championships in in Oregon USA. Uh, they will be in July um, of this year. It's it's a very ambitious goal, but I think it's it's doable with hard work, and so. Pretty much the GoFundMe is for supporting uh, a training camp. Um, I haven't defined where, like initially I had thought it was going to be in, in Europe, but maybe financially it will be easier to hold it down here in South America. Um, but ideally the training camp will be a place where I can kind of be away from the city life. I can kind of focus on training and also have the opportunity to put together um, all that hard training into into a few races that, can put me in a good place for competing uh, at the world championships or at least making the team. Um, but even if that doesn't unfold the way I want to, there's other opportunities to make other national teams uh, for this year, um, which is, is pretty special. Not every year do we have the opportunity to compete in different national teams, but this year is really special in the way that um, there's a lot of events that are taking place. And I think that's, I think that's uh, what's important for me right now to be able to um, prepare for some of these events. Um, the biggest goal for this year is trying to make that team for the world champs. Um, but the ultimate goal is to go to um, the Olympics in, in Paris in 2024. All right. Well, we will uh, we'll definitely put a link for GoFundMe so people can go fund you on there. And um, <laughs> it, it, there's, Something something you said way, way back at the beginning of the episode was about, uh, you mentioned something about, about your, your father earlier on. You said way back, way back when in the early 2000s. And that's when I knew that you were by far the youngest person we've had on our, on our talk, on our show. Because uh, way back when in the 2000s is not that way back. Uh, and so just mentioning how you're, you know, you'll be 30 then. And it's actually really nice because a lot of our, our guests have been, you know, 40s, 50s plus, a few 30s, but mostly, you know, a little more uh, older in terms of age. Uh, and so it's nice to have younger people uh, touting the this work as well. So just applaud you. Oh, that. thank you. I, I also do get that a lot that it's, it's in the SI community, it's kind of a phenomenon to have um younger people discover this work and really feel it from a place of like really feel it deep in their core that this is the thing that they're supposed to be doing and I knew from the very moment that I went through my 10 series that this is the thing that I 
had to be doing. Um, so going through my training, being the youngest, like everybody there was like 20 years older than me at the time, or even at least 15 years older than me. Um, there's always like this kind of like this shadow of like older people around you. But I think um, it's also nice to be a, a little flower, you know, like you don't have to be among trees and, and bushes. Like you could just be like a little flower growing out of the concrete. And that's how I, I, I feel in this, in this field. Um, there's a lot for me to, to continue growing a lot of to continue maturing. And um, I really do see myself doing this work for, for the rest of my life. Um, even though, I'm not fully, like, I haven't fully diving deep into into the work as a result of having the the, the compromise of a sport um, that's kind of following me around because, as you know, the window of opportunity for sport is is very short. But I can I can do this work forever. So um, I, I feel really grateful to be in this community. I have found um, support. Um, in the different places that I have visited or the different um, practitioners that I have met, even though a lot of times they're a lot older than me, but they're, they're quite, they're quite um, inspiring. And they're usually people who, who mentor me and who um, inspire me to continue doing this work because it is beautiful. Well, Ali, I was also a little, a little flowering bud <laughs> when I started out. And it is interesting when this community being still relatively small, but so diverse in age, you know, I started off when I was in my twenties and oddly enough, there, my, my group that I did my training with, we were, we were all pretty young. We kind of, I mean, we we're college graduates, but, um, but yeah, kind of coming, come, coming out of college being like, this is pretty much our career. But with that being said, you know, that's what's cool about this work is it's not that some people do it very full time and that they just hold a very full practice or they're integrating in some way. Like I'm thinking of a friend of mine that I went to school with and he he does this. He and his wife do this. And they also run rivers in the Grand Canyon. And they, you know, and, and I'm pretty certain the way they talk about how their passengers are riding the boat they're also probably inviting some somatic structural integration adaptations to take on the river and um and i know i've had some side things going on while it's still having a practice so um i just feel we're sharing that to you or to any listeners out there that you know i think there's sometimes a pressure in our work to be hold these full time full practices, and that's not always right for a practitioner. Could be holding doing other things. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I, I myself, I don't know that I would feel ready to hold a full time practice in this moment in time. Not only because of the other activities that I'm doing, but also because I feel like the other activities are the ones that are helping me build my work. And so if yeah. I don't have those activities, for example, if I don't have my athletics, which gives me a sense of, of understanding of how the body works, then I'm not able to pull in as much information into, into my SI practice. And my goal here is to be able to offer, to, to give the best offering to, to my clients or to each person that comes through the door. Um, so maybe in this moment in time, it's, it's okay for me to just have a, like a, not, not have a full-time practice and then just, um, continue learning from other modalities for when the time comes for me to hold a full pra- a full time practice. I can, I can, I can be really settled into it. Yeah. Well, we want to be respectful of your time, and um, we are so so grateful to have you on and learn about your journey. And I can't wait to to be your cheerleader. For sure. Um, also, I was going to say, if there's, I have a, I have an Instagram page. I, I post pictures there. Uh, sometimes of athletics, sometimes it's just like my normal life. But I am, I'm, I am getting committed to posting more track related pictures. So if anybody else wants to follow through Instagram, they're they're welcome. Um, and yeah, you can kind of follow my my running and my my day to the day life through there. 
yeah. yeah we'll, we'll get we'll get those links and i'll i'll put them into the the notes when we when we post that it will be a separate email yeah yeah well thank thank you uh it's been great uh getting to talk to you and thank you for for you know your time and, and your story and we look forward to sharing it and and being in touch in the future too yeah thank you thanks for having me it's been, it's been a pleasure and i i really did enjoy all your questions and, and your insights uh really really glad to to have spent this this time the way we did great right. well, we'll see you in paris in 2024 yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Thank you. Right. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to us at Touching Into Presence. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. You can find out more about Allie at dynamicposturesi.com and the GoFundMe link is in our notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate if you leave a positive review of the podcast and subscribe to it through the platform of your choice. When you do this, it really helps other people find us, and we greatly appreciate your support. We look forward to hearing back from you and seeing you on our next conversation at Touching the Presence. Bye-bye.